how do I know if I need a mentor? Are you ever too grown up in your career to benefit from one? And what do I do if somebody asks me to be a mentor? I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Lydia Boer, as we explore the topic of mentorship. Hi, and welcome to Nurse Essentials, a Cleveland Clinic podcast where we discuss all things nursing, from patient care to advancing your career to navigating tough on-the-job issues. We're so glad you're here. I'm your host, Carol Pahatsky, Associate Chief Nursing Officer of Surgical Services Nursing. When you think about mentorship, no shortage of literature out there in the world that tells us how fantastic mentorship is for the mentor, for the mentee. And reflecting as we prepared for today's episode, I've certainly spent a lot of time thinking about mentors in my life. I wouldn't be the mom, the stepmom, or the nurse I am today without the influence of mentors in my life. And it gets you thinking about, are you ever too old to ask for a mentor? Are you ever too grown up in your career to be a mentor, to benefit from being a mentor? And I think that the answer is probably no. And so with that, I'm thrilled to be joined today by Lydia Boer. She's a clinical nurse specialist with us here at Cleveland Clinic and well-known and well-esteemed for her mentorship of countless nursing students, new nurses, experienced nurses, clinical nurse specialists, you name it. So Lydia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So I hope you'll get us started with, uh, I know you have lots of fantastic stories about what you've gotten out of mentorship or to watch your mentees grow. So I'd hope you just get us kicked off with some of your stories, please. I should start off with my professional mentor. So I was in America doing my master's in nursing. So I come from India. So this was a new style of education for me. And this one professor was not afraid to call me out and uh, really challenge me to grow. And so I was like, and they were constantly encouraging me to always seek a mentor if I want to grow professionally. I thought, this person is the right person for me because she's not afraid to step on my toes and help me grow. So this was established in 2009 and she was an expert in mentorship because she had been a professor for a long time. So we set some rules and set some goals and we established a relationship and she hasn't stopped since. So it's been so many years now and every step of the way she has been part of it, especially when I became a brand new CNS and I come to Cleveland Clinic main campus and it's such a big setting and never been in such a setting before. And I have all these numerous experiences and I couldn't wrap my head around it. So I would like type up one page long of all my experiences to her every month. Mm. She'll read the whole darn thing and respond in two sentences. She'll summarize what I shared and she'll ask me questions. So that was her way of helping me grow and to think of my experiences. So since I passed through that stage and I became a seasoned CNS, now she's holding me accountable in my PhD journey. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's fantastic. You know, I, I, several things you said resonated with me, including calling me out, right? I, I think sometimes we, we think we want a mentor to be like, you are the best. And sometimes they'll say that, right? But sometimes I, I love that piece around accountability. What a gift. And so how have you returned that in kind to the people that you've mentored? Most of the time, how you meet people who you can become a mentor is they come to you as a CNS student. So when I was a clinical nurse, it was my students, like they come to you as a nurse extern and they're spending a whole semester with you and then they're drawing from you. So then you're like precepting them. But sometimes 
they establish a more trusting relationship. It becomes a little bit more long term. So then what happens is there is a mutual exchange of knowledge that's happening between the people that I'm mentoring and they are drawing from me. So when they're drawing from me, then sometimes that helps me grow. And also their enthusiasm for nursing, for the CNS role sort of reminds you how excited you were. Absolutely. When you were brand new and, you know, you were learning. So in the process of mentoring them, you are actually growing along with them. That's spot on. That mutual exchange is such a beautiful gift. It's you almost get as much out of being a mentor as you get out of being a mentee. Exactly. I always say that mentorship is a two-way street. It's never one way. And it is so important for the mentors to tell that to their mentee that they are not the only ones receiving from that relationship, but actually we as mentors are drawing from the mentees and we are learning from them as well. So I think that's very important. There's really an, an intentionality there, right? You know, if it's if you're just existing together, we miss out on that deeper reflection that says we've both gotten something out of this. Exactly. And also the mentee may not be an expert in the area that you're guiding them, but they're bringing their life experiences where you're an expert, but they are an expert. So they're teaching you simultaneously. So I think I have learned a ton from my <laughs> the people I have mentored. That's wonderful. So in our audience, we probably have everyone from I'm just starting nursing school to I've been a nurse for 40 years and I'm looking to still learn. So can you talk a little bit about the difference between a mentor and a preceptor, especially for our newer nurses or maybe our nursing students? I think as a preceptor, it's a more of a short-term relationship and it has like specific goals. And so people are coming to us, you know, maybe as a clinical nurse and we are going to precept them for a few weeks. And then that relationship may stop. But a mentorship is more of a caring, a natural transition. So you can start off being a preceptor and then become a mentor. But then sometimes it's a natural transition because they come to trust you. They see that you could be a role model to them. They see that you're very enthusiastic and you have stuff that they want to learn from you. So they may approach you and say, can you teach me about this? You know, so then it becomes a little bit of more of a long-term relationship, but there's a lot of trust involved. It's not a transactional relationship. It's more a deeper, much deeper than a preceptor. Absolutely. And, you know, I've been approached by nurses who've said, oh, so I can't have my preceptor be a mentor. And I think you've highlighted, no, no, that's not, it's not that this has ended and we can't be friends anymore. It's really that that trust is there and we've accomplished the initial goals of whatever that initial period is. And do we forge on together in a trusting relationship? So let's say I finished my initial training period and I learned a lot from my preceptor, but I I'm not looking to continue that relationship. So what should I be looking for in a mentor? And again, we'll, we'll start with the new nurse, maybe what she or he should be looking for in a mentor. Someone who stands apart, someone who is enthusiastic, someone who hasn't lost their passion, someone who finds meaning in what they do. They're not just doing it for the sake of doing it, but they find meaning in it. They're making a difference in what they're doing. And also someone who you can trust, who you can confide in, who you know will be willing to commit to being a mentor because it's a commitment. They are saying, okay, I commit to hold you accountable, to challenge you, to step on your toes, to encourage <laughs> you, you know, those Absolutely. kind of things. 
So I think you need to pay attention to all those things. All right. And let's say I'm a little further in my career and maybe I'm feeling like I've lost some of that joy and I'm thinking that maybe a mentor might help me. Anything different I should be looking for in a mentor if I'm maybe not necessarily looking to change careers or specialties, but re-engaging in a different way? Recently, I was talking to an assistant nurse manager, actually to a group of nurses. And I guess when I was talking about it, I must have come off very passionate about the topic. (laughs) You know, it was about nursing and how we can grow as nurses. And she has been a nurse for a long time and an assistant nurse manager for a long time. She said, I need to set up a time with you and I need to meet with you so that you can share this enthusiasm or this passion you have for nursing, I feel like I have become burnt out, you know. So sometimes people get energized. doesn't matter how long you've been in the profession. And sometimes I think the longer you're in the profession, it's easier for you to build walls to protect yourself from some of the pain and disappointment. But then when you meet somebody who still hasn't lost that passion, you're like, hey, give me some of that, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Yeah. Share that enthusiasm with me. So it doesn't matter where you are and where the other person is. If you really think that they have something to share with you, it's okay for you to reach out to them and say, hey, I want to grow. I don't want to be burnt out. That's fantastic. When you think about, you know, one of the things we'd like to accomplish on this podcast is that rekindling that joy or reconnecting to joy when some some of us have lost that or there's days any of us have lost it and so really mm-hmm. being able to see that in another nurse I, I think it's very profound what you said about you know the coping mechanisms that we develop as nurses or in healthcare in general and the things that we see and the things that we're asked to do and being there at the beginning and end of life it, it comes with coping mechanisms that sometimes you know, are hard to mitigate through. And so one of the strategies could be reaching out to somebody else who has energy and excitement and helps us reconnect to why we got into this in the first place. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. I agree. So let's say I'm on the, on the other end of things. I'm you and I'm minding my own business. I finished a presentation and someone comes up to me and says, hey, I think you're fantastic. I'd like to be your mentee. What are some things or some questions I should be asking or some things I should be thinking about to, to make sure from my end of things, that's a good fit? I would say, like, what do you want to achieve? What's your goal? What is that that stands out about me as a mentor and you think that you can drop from it? What is the objective of this relationship? Because, you know, sometimes people get inspired in the moment, but then if they are willing to be a mentee, they have to follow through. You know, Mm. it's not just about taking advice and not acting on it. So what makes me a good mentee (laughs) is whatever was shared with me, I'm willing to apply it. So that's what has helped me grow as a professional and as a person. The same thing is true for the mentee. You can be excited to meet somebody who is just so inspirational, but then when you go to them and say, I would like you to be my mentor, then you have to state, what are your goals? Do you have any goals? In which areas can I help you? They don't draw from you in a specific way, then how do you you know what to share with them? So that sort of puts the ownership on the mentee as well. It's not just all on the mentor. So you sort of get a feeling, oh, this person is intentional. They really want to grow. They want to drop from me. 
It is a time commitment from both, and both parties have to be willing to invest that equally, at least, at the very least, to make sure that it's the best it can be. You know, and I think as you're talking, it made me reflect on a scenario where I'm a PACU nurse by trade, and I was at a PACU conference, and one of my PACU heroes was there, and she, her poster was right next to mine, and I'm working up the courage to say, you know, maybe, like, could we be pen pals? <laughs> Would you be my, <laughs> my remote mentor? And I worked up the courage because she's just so highly esteemed, and she said no. <laughs> but in fairness, it, but but it was a beautiful thing because she said, I would be so honored. But she was going through something personally. And she said, I, I cannot give you what you deserve right now. And so it was this really crystal moment for me about, yeah, I worked up the courage. And she was so gracious to say, I wish I could. I just can't. And may I recommend a few other colleagues in this space that would, that would love to work with you. But I'm not going to be able to give you what you need. And I've taken that with me because... You want to, in either way, really be able to invest that time. And if you can't, it's okay to say that boundary that says, let's check back in in a little while. But right now, I'm not going to be able to give you what you need. Wow. You know what? I have to say, I'm I'm sure it was startling for you to say, you know, <laughs> from her. But I'm so, I'm so proud of what she did. Absolutely. I mean, she was so honest and she was just, but she was not, she was still willing to help you. Yes. And help you match you with the right mentor. And most of the mentors would not say no, you know. Right. But then I think I really appreciate her for her honesty for saying no to that because that shows that she was not in a place to help you. Right. And we're nurses, <laughs> right? We're doers. So we want we want yeah. to say yes and then go, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Well, any other stories you'd like to share with us? Maybe a, a mentee that you're particularly proud of where you think maybe I had one fingerprint on that. I think we leave our fingerprints on each other all the time. All I would say is mentors come in all shapes and forms. It could be your family member, your parents, your siblings, teachers, your spouse, your children, the, the latest, newest novice who entered your unit. So it's not about age. It's not about experience. But if you are willing to grow and learn, you will always find opportunities to learn and grow. And the people who, my mentees or for myself, I would say the most important thing is humility. You mm. have to say, I am not sufficient on my own. You know, we may fool ourselves in thinking that we know it all, have it all. But the truth of the fact is, we don't know it all. And the closer you come to the mountain, you realize how much more knowledge there is out there to learn. And if we want to really succeed and grow in life, we need to say, I don't know enough of that. I need to learn more about it. Whom should I look around, learn from? So for me, I have learned from my patients. Mm -hmm. You know, I have, I have told the story before. I didn't know how to learn. And I had this young 20-year-old patient who got both his legs cut off. It was amputated. And here I am afraid to get behind the wheel and learn to drive and come to Cleveland main campus from Akron. And here my patient tells me, Lydia, if I can learn to live my life again without two legs, you can get behind that wheel. And oh my gosh. So you know what I'm saying? So having done this, it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, when we are interacting with human beings, there's always room for us to learn if we have the humility to say, I need to learn more. And I would say that's how I have learned. <laughs> 
What, what a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Well, now's the part of the podcast where, you know, our, our listeners have learned so much about you as an expert. We're hoping that they can learn a little bit more about you as a nurse. So just some fun questions before we uh, sign off. So curious, you're, when you're unwinding at the end of a day or on a weekend, what's, what's your go-to? Do you like videos or podcasts or books? What's your jam? Uh, the latest thing has been leadership podcast as I'm huh. folding laundry or when I'm like driving <laughs> to work. I put on like uh, Craig Shell, John Maxwell, Lencioni, and they have oh, these podcasts sure. that are like 15, 20 minutes long. So then sometimes when I'm bogged down and I'm walking to the office and I'm like, I sort of encourage myself. So then when I'm like working with nurses, I can encourage them with what I heard yeah. this morning. <laughs> Apply it right away. I love it. Uh, yeah. Let's say you're headed to the floor to help on the bedside. What shoes are you wearing? What's your go-to? Actually, when I was a bedside nurse, I liked the SAS shoes, the all SAS. Right. Yeah. Um, but right now, it's all about flats and how <laughs> comfortable they are. I don't care what brand it is. <laughs> Outstanding. And if you weren't a nurse, what would your passion career be? I can't see myself as not being a nurse. Oh. I was born to be a nurse. This is go. my calling. So if I was not a nurse, I think I would be in a job where I'm fighting for human rights or for oh. justice or okay. something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, Lydia, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've just learned so much from your conversation with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. As always, thanks so much for joining us for today's discussion. Don't miss out. Subscribe to hear new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, we want to hear from you. Do you have ideas for future podcasts or want to share your stories? Email us at nurseessentials at ccf.org. To learn more about nursing at Cleveland Clinic, please check us out at clevelandclinic.org slash nursing. Until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or legal advice. Consult your local state boards of nursing for any specific practice questions.